Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Sewers on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We know South Louisiana has a healthy number of budding entrepreneurs. We've met many of them on this show over the past year. But one thing we hear over and over is that South Louisiana doesn't have a very well-developed entrepreneurial ecosystem. It's starting to change, but is it happening fast enough? My first guest today is on the front lines of building that entrepreneurial ecosystem. His name is Arthur Cooper, and he's the president and CEO of the LSU Research and Technology Foundation. It serves a vital purpose in the world of technology transfer by helping researchers at all the LSU campuses bring their inventions and discoveries to market more quickly by taking care of a lot of the paperwork and back office functions that are necessary when you file a patent. It's the kind of stuff researchers aren't necessarily good at, but Arthur is. Arthur, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. And my next guest is an example of a local entrepreneur who has successfully navigated the waters of bringing a great idea to market. And he now has a patent on his product, which is flying off the shelves. He is Chris Zavala, and his product is Yellow Jacket, a smartphone case that, get this, conceals a stun gun. The story of where this idea came from is incredible. The story of how the company has grown, even Walmart.com is now carrying Yellow Jacket, is even more interesting. Chris has been with the company since 2014, and in 2015 was named its CEO. Chris, we look forward to hearing your story. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. Well, Arthur, I want to start with you, and this is something that that we hear a lot. I, I hear a lot at the business report that we have not been good at tech transfer in this state, not just at LSU, but in this state in general. Why has it been so hard? What have we been doing wrong? Historically, I think there was, um, Louisiana universities, particularly the LSU system, was mm -hmm. risk averse. Didn't want to license this because, you know, there could be a problem with that. And I think what you've seen the change has been tremendous. I mean, I, I can't tell you, beginning with, particularly with uh, President Alexander, yeah. he has come in and we have rewritten the bylaws. We have um, streamlined the process. And so you've really seen that, uh, seen a huge improvement. And in fact, we have seen an increase in patents filed since uh, 2014, when we really got engaged with this, from 50 to 137. Really? More than one, doubled, almost than tripled in just two years. In just two years. And so things are changing. And, and, and part of that is is the approval process is much quicker. Mm -hmm. Now we have to improve the translation of that into licenses. You know, actually so we that was my next question. Filing yeah. a patent, that's not... Right. That's not all there is to bringing something to market. That's no. just first step one. Yeah, a patent is really just a license to sue. I tell that to everybody. <laughs> it just means you can exclude people from the market. But uh, the next phase, and, and this is, I think, one of the things that we've seen is LSU has actually invested in what's uh, the Lyft Fund, mm -hmm. which is uh, for early stage commercialization grants. Um, anybody that's 
ever been involved with technology, there's this thing called the valley of death, is you'll see a lot of federal funding for basic research. Mm -hmm. So the NSF, the NIH, they fund a lot of basic research. And out of that basic research comes some very interesting ideas. But it's not commercial yet. And there's a long path from that to when a private investor would be interested in it. So LSU decided to take money that they had accumulated from the royalties and invest it back royalties in. Royalties from the? License and inventions. Okay. And uh, about $4 million and invested in a fund. And that fund uh, actually invests back in technology across the system to advance it to commercialization. And, and so you're getting these patents filed. Now, what are you all doing in your foundation specifically to help these researchers get along with the process? Yeah, we actually um, do several things. One, we we manage their portfolio, so we make sure all the patents are filed, but we... So that's a paperwork function. That's a paperwork function, but we also do the funding and evaluate their technologies and decide whether or not they get a lift grant. Okay. Uh, and uh, then on specialized projects. Now, I will tell you there's a there's a uh, uniqueness to the LSU, way LSU works. We have five, really six research campuses. Each one of them has an office. And what we really do is support that office. So if the office needs market studies, mm -hmm. you know, is this technology worth? Because one, one of the greatest um, benefits you can give a researcher is, and the old adage is tell, their baby they're, tell them their baby's ugly. In other <laughs> words, you, you tell them this technology is just... It's interesting, but it's no good. Right. And so we do try to get early <laughs> on, look at the market and say, well, you know, this is nice stuff, but you really probably ought to invest your research efforts somewhere else. Um, so that's an important function. So we we do those market analysis, and then we assist when the actual license negotiations are going. But the front line is still with the campuses. Well, one of the exciting products that actually started out at LSU in one of the incubators there and has now come to market is Yellow Jacket. Chris, the story goes that the idea for a smartphone case concealing a stun gun came about when the original inventor, Seth Froon, was robbed at gunpoint in his own home and the robber took many of his possessions, including his iPhone, but left the case behind. And after the incident, he received a stun gun for added protection and got to thinking, hey, this, this, might, this might be a fit. You're right about the incident with Seth. Uh, he realized that the one thing that people keep on them at all times, and they did a market study, 90% of people keep their phone within 10 feet of them at all times, no matter what. In fact, some people even take it with them, of course, in the bathroom, have it in their hands, <laughs> readily available. So, um, and we won't talk about that at the dinner table. We don't bed. have to. <laughs> so uh, the great thing about it is uh, not just that it is on your cell phone, but it's something that you carry on yourself at all times. Right. All times. It's not an extra something to carry like a the actual standard stun gun. It is the yellow jacket, which is a stun gun that is concealed in a phone case with an external battery that also recharges the phone. So there isn't just one primary uh, uh, feature. It's not just a stun gun. Mm -hmm. We hope that you're not defending yourself 90% of the time. We hope that you would use it as extra battery charger. And then that once in a lifetime chance for some people that you are attacked or you feel threatened and you need some personal protection, you can go ahead and flip a little switch and uh, inject eight million volts of electricity into someone to get eight them away million from you. volts, now that's a lot. That is, it's actually the uh, above the standard stun gun on the market. The standard is around four to five million volts. We wanted to make ours a more robust solution wow. <laughs> and not just a novelty. Does it 
Is it very painful? I don't have experience with stun guns. It is, uh, and that's where the name comes from, Yellow Jacket. If you've ever been stung by a wasp like the Yellow Jacket, the, the pain is sharp, immediate, uh, and it lasts for about 30 minutes to an hour. And of course, depending on, with all electroshock weapons, depending on what part of the body you are hit on, it's going to be either more or less uh, painful. Wow. Now, we mentioned Seth. He was the inventor. Is he still part of the company? I know the company has sort of gone through some iterations, and y'all basically, re this pro product took off, and then you basically rebuilt it, invested in it, and it's it's better now than it was originally, and it's that's now really that's growing. That's correct. Seth, uh, Seth made leaps and bounds from the very beginning of, of uh, conception in the incubator program, and uh, Sean Simone was also involved in that, and uh, they got it to market first. There mm -hmm. were some uh, minor setbacks uh, that turned into major setbacks, like manufacturing. So over the course of the two years that I got involved, um, uh, I had a group that got uh, involved at the same time that I did. Uh, we together took this idea and this product and we made it better, uh, increased the quality, QAQC, we increased uh, the manufacturing output, we increased the research and development. Uh, together we did uh, what was so much harder to do in the very beginning in the startup phase. So, so y'all basically like took an equity stake in the company, or did you take over it altogether? We took it over altogether. We okay. have exclusive rights to the patent and the product. Um, we are uh, now developing not just hardware uh, mm -hmm. with this idea. That the idea is personal protection that is convenient, right? So it's not the idea isn't just a stun gun. It's not just a battery pack. It's something that is with you at all times and something that uh, will help you in the heat of the moment an intermediate form of self-defense. So we're also developing a, an application that will allow the user to uh, feel safer by sending out a signal to either social media or text message, phone call to law enforcement to, to let them know where they're at and that they're in trouble. Fantastic. Okay, so, so from this whole yellow jacket stun gun concept, you're developing a broader product line. That's correct. Excellent. That's correct. So now, it's not just the yellow jacket anymore. How many of these are you selling, and where are you selling them? We are currently in the middle of a relaunch. Okay. So for the past six months, uh, myself, Chris Avala, and my business partner, Joey Job, uh, we both kind of put our backpacks on, our thinking caps on, and we went to China together, and we went and found a new development team, a new manufacturing team, and it's taken the past six months of this development for us to, uh, to get this relaunch going. So for the past six months, uh, we haven't had, we don't have any direct-to-consumer sales. Uh, we do, however, have lined up, uh, as you stated before, Walmart.com, mm -hmm. Acad Academy Sports, other big box stores like... Uh, Bass Pro Shop and uh, shops like that, big box store shops like that we have lined up. And we're working on an exclusive licensing agreement. As Arthur had pointed out, uh, you know, once you get a patent, uh, licensing kind of helps protect who, who gets your product. And uh, in to the, end, the beginning of 2014 is when Yellow Jacket as a company acquired their patent, even though they'd started in 2011, 2012. So now so we have a lot more opportunities that, that we have now as a group at, that the old group did not have. Which so is Seth didn't have a patent on it? No, not he didn't have a wow. th That group did not have a patent until 2014. And so it was a patent pending for three years. And that uh, stifled a little bit of their opportunity. And mm -hmm. so we're, we're very fortunate that the original group, including Seth Froome and Sean Simone and 
Uh, Alan Bear was an investing partner, managing partner. They have blessed us by allowing us to take the rights of the product and move it forward with our business plan, our new manufacturing resource, our new develop, uh, research and development resource. Uh, we're hoping to, to schedule this relaunch, we're hoping will be much bigger. It'll hit a much broader uh, uh, market than, than what was previously uh, planned. How, how do y'all plan to market this product? We, we have three different verticals we're targeting. Mm -hmm. One uh, primarily is uh, the universities because the younger generation, when I say younger, uh, I'm not referring to us. We're in the younger <laughs> generation. 18, I'm not. 18, <laughs> 18 to, to 60 is our target demographic. Oh, 18 to 60, we made it. Yes, <laughs> barely. Uh, mostly female. Uh, but the primary buyer of our product is going to be uh, the guy, that the, the man that has a wife, daughter, uh, mother, sister that they want to protect and make sure that, that they have something, as an, like I said, an intermediate form of self-defense. So that being said, the three verticals are universities, real estate, and uh, military uh, mm. wives on base. Uh, we have a sales resource that is going to integrate our product uh, present it to channel representatives. Mm -hmm. We also have another part of our marketing team, uh, as I stated before, with the big box stores. They're marketing to those channel representatives. Uh, th this product is something that's innovative and new, and it's needed, especially in this in this era of violence, no this kidding, era huh? of technology. Uh, having something on you at all times is much better than not. So and, and something that is not lethal, but. It but that will stop you dead in your tracks without killing you. Correct. Uh, there are some safety features on it, just in case, but uh, as you just stated, it's non-lethal, so if you accidentally hit someone with it, which is very hard to do, mm -hmm. uh, it is not gonna, uh, it's not gonna hurt anyone in a lethal form. How much does it retail for? Right now, we're at 169. Mm -hmm. Arthur, do most of the researchers <coughs> you deal with want to end up successful entrepreneurs, or are they just interested in churning out the science? Yeah, I think most of them do not. I think the a researcher entrepreneur is, is relatively <coughs> rare. And in fact, that's one of the challenges you have in developing within a university culture to develop that entrepreneurial culture because uh, they view research as um, you know what they do and they don't really think about the commercial applications. In fact, that's one of the things uh, Annie Moss and LSU have an I-Corps, it's called I-Corps. And one of the programs is they, they actually get teams and there's a school out there called Lean Startup. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you do as a startup is to go out and talk to your customers and find out what your what does the market need? You know, you're in a certain space, what sure. does the market need? Because so many entrepreneurs think they know what the market needs. <laughs> and so what this is doing is getting our researchers to actually talk to the market to say, you know, if you did this, that that's interesting, but if you did this, it'd be better. And um, so it's, you know, developing that entrepreneurial researcher is a challenge. But what's interesting about the story, the Yellow Jacket, is that's very common where you have the technical startup team that really has to transition it off. And, mm -hmm. and um, Do they just have a different skill set or it's... It, well, it's, it's the value of the technology, the value of the technologies has a, a cap to it. The marketing, development, deployment of that technology is really a critical piece. And often the skill set that develop the technology does not have that 
skill set that's necessary to advance it. Mm -hmm. And so it's very common. In fact, you know, in the parlance, you all have a startup CEO, a growth CEO. You know, you know, a, a technology company could go through three or four different CEOs to to really get to market. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. My guests are Chris Zavala, who heads Yellow Jacket, and Arthur Cooper of the LSU Research and Technology Foundation. Arthur, if, if somebody wants to become an entrepreneur from the research side, what advice do you give them? What's the first step? Um, well, I, I think the first step is always uh, understanding your 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 market. Mm -hmm. And other saying, if you if you're a researcher and you, you have an idea of a market, before you go very far, understand where your research fits in the market. Who are your competitors? Who are because one of the problems we're we're trying to break down the silos. A researcher tends to go to his lab. My my background's engineering, and engineers are very similar to this. They they go in their cubby hole and they work, and they don't really look at the broader view of what's going on yeah. and. Um, Researchers have that, so the the first thing I would tell a researcher: go out there and talk to people. Go to go to conferences, you know. Go to the internet, find out if you're where your research fits in the broader spectrum, and then where is there a need? Yeah, because that's really what uh, technology does. It it fulfills a need. With with these inventions that that you all help at the foundation. Arthur, does LSU get a cut of that? Does it share it with the rest of the school or with the other research campuses? How does that work? Yeah, well, the way uh, the technology uh, distribution is, the, if you work for LSU uh, and you're using LSU resources to develop a technology, LSU owns it. But then LSU gives the researchers 40% of any revenue that's generated out of that um, technology, which is extremely generous and actually one of the highest in the country. And then the campus that the researcher works for would get 50% uh, and then 10% actually goes to the LSU administration. Mm -hmm. And out of that 10%, uh, half of that goes back into the lift fund. So 5% okay. of all licensing revenue goes back into the lift fund to be reinvested in technology. And the other half is used for the, just the administration part of uh, the technology. Interesting. Well, I'd like to switch gears for just a minute and ask you each a question that might help us understand your personality a little bit more and see your successes in a different light. So if you could have dinner with one well-known person, living or dead, tell me who it would be. Bill Murray. Oh, that's a great <laughs> answer. Why is that, Arthur? Well, I mean, I just, I, <laughs> I, I like to go eat and laugh, and he's one of the funniest people I've ever seen, so I think I'd be a Bill Murray. <laughs> I think that's a good answer. What about you, Chris? Uh, if I was to meet someone living or dead right now, I think it would be, uh, I had the ability to, or that I was fortunate to, it would be Elon Musk of mm -hmm. Tesla, primarily because uh, he was kind of like in the situation I'm in right now with a startup, uh, you know, you you are, your success is measured by how many failures you have. It's not, you don't just get it right the first time. You go back to the drawing board several times and you learn from your mistakes and that's how you move forward and, and, uh, and get better at what you're doing. So Elon Musk had, had gone through several different uh, challenges uh, and they've turned out to become part of his success. Was Elon Musk the actual inventor of Tesla or he just took Tesla to the, to the next level? He, he, he took a chance on Tesla. Okay. Uh, he started with SpaceX, mm -hmm. uh, which is another interesting story. Uh, supposedly, <laughs> uh, allegedly, he invested a lot of his uh, the last part of his capital and, uh, and uh, cash flow into SpaceX, not knowing if it was going 
to prove the market for privatized uh, space exploration, and it turned out to it turned out worked it worked out for him uh, in the long run. But that was after he had multiple failures. Uh, I think he had six failures before that. They say that's one of the, the keys to, to being a successful entrepreneur is to fail a few times. What What is your background, Chris? Were you, what have you done before this? Before this, uh, I, my biggest success before Yellow Jacket was in network marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's where I built uh, the most of my entrepreneur spirit. I uh, became job optional when I was 25, and in less than a year, in 11 months, I was at the top 10% of the network marketing company. In 2011, a company called uh, Visalis Sciences in a, in a market economy that was not doing well, grew 700%. I was a part of that growth, I was a part of that momentum. And it was the first time that I learned that uh, you really, most of your successes is gonna be based on the people that help you. It's not just you, It's it's uh, and it's not even being the best leader, it's having the best team lined up with you with the same vision. Uh, to, you're only, they have that saying, you're only as good as your help. It's completely true, I learned it that. It is true, it sounds cliche, but it is true. It's definitely a good point. And, and I learned that uh, within network marketing, which is all about building a team and, mm -hmm. and, and that whole team moving together. What do we need more of in Baton Rouge to make it more entrepreneur friendly? You know, uh, you know, it's not a question of, well, I, I wanted to comment on the fact, the failure of Elon Musk because, <laughs> you know, at one point in my life I did a lot of um, assisting companies raise capital and it was always interesting to me that, that um, venture capitalists would value the man that had had a failure because it, you, you, you often repeat things that make you successful, but you never repeat those things you fail at. And right. so, or you won't do it again for sure. And, and so, you know, having a culture that recognizes that failure is not always a black mark against somebody is a, is a very important feature of an mm -hmm. entrepreneurial culture. You know, I, I think it's the same thing that our investor class and the creation of angels. I mean, access to capital is, is a challenge for startups everywhere. Yes. Um, and expanding that, it's one thing New Orleans has done a really good job of, their angel investor network is, uh, is really strong and, and, and their efforts to grow that. Um, mm -hmm. And I would tell you that that's always a challenge, but it's also that it's a, it's a full, con entrepreneurism is a full contact sport. You know, it requires <laughs> constant. It's so true. You know, um, uh, constant attention. In fact, yeah. it reminds me when I was in law school, the, there's a uh, famous quote about, you know, the, the law is a jealous mistress. It requires <laughs> constant attention. Well, that's very similar to entrepreneurism, and the, the community has to continually renew the embracing of it. Yes. You know, we, what we tend to do is have this, you know, we'll have brew week, and we'll get really excited about it for a week, and then, and then brew week's over. over, and it's over with. Mm -hmm. And so you just need leadership that renews that enthusiasm and puts it high on uh, on the agenda because uh, you know as you mentioned i was the department of economic development and all small businesses under me and i used to get frustrated because if you go to the capitol and i don't know there is a teacher bill up well all the teachers are down there in their same color t-shirts lobbying the capitol but if we're there for the invest i mean the research and development tax credit there's not <laughs> there's nobody right. with a t-shirt nobody's no down there lobbying so it really is for the leadership of communities to say this is important 
and we need to always think that it's important and continue to push it. And, and do people in the entrepreneurial community understand this? Um, I, I don't know that they do. Uh, I, I know that whenever someone thinks on a national level about startup tech companies, they don't think of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I think they uh, think more of like the Silicon Valley and uh, Austin's, you know, startups. But um, in, in 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 so much as the fact is, is that Yellow Jacket was conceived in the LSU incubator program. So it's not that it's not possible. But just to answer your question, uh, I don't think that everyone does know that. Mm -hmm. I've heard, you know, and, and we've we've said before that the, the millennial generation in particular seems less concerned with making money. Do y'all think that's true? Uh, we hear so much about altruistic goals, or at least companies with a purpose. At least that's the way everybody wants to brand themselves now. But I, I don't know. At the end of the day, as a thirty-year-old, <laughs> uh, I you think fit into that. I think that is true. I think that is very true. It's more about uh, creating having an idea and seeing it, creating it and then and kind of seeing your baby grow up, so to speak. And that's more important than how much money you can make uh, on seeing that baby grow up, uh, at least in my generation. It's not about, you know, it's not a, from a financial aspect or, pers or perspective. It's not how much money can I make in the shortest amount of time. It's how quickly can I get my idea to market. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that that's, that's to a certain extent true, but, there are also, uh, you know, companies that are young that understand that you need capital, you need money to get that idea to the market successfully. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always been an impulse in the young to do the great things that are going to shape their generation. So, um, but I, and I find actually what I see more is the entrepreneurial ideas of the millennials because they've never grown up with a concept that I'm going to go work for Exxon and work there for 40 years. Right. They don't think of that and so they view the world through an entrepreneurial lens. lens. Yeah. Well Arthur and Chris I'm glad y'all are doing your part to build an entrepreneurial culture here in Baton Rouge and it's encouraging to know that change is occurring and that we're heading in the right direction so we look forward to great things coming out of the LSU Research Technology Foundation and Yellow Jacket. Thank you all for joining me on Out to Lunch today. Thank you for having us. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Arthur Cooper of the LSU Research Technology Foundation and Chris Zavala of Yellow Jacket. You can find out more about the LSU Research Technology Foundation and Yellow Jacket by following the links on our websites. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. All the music on Out to Lunch is composed and performed by Mitchell Foreman. You can find out more about Mitchell's music wherever great jazz is streamed, sold, or stolen and at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites at spatonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf89.3 FM. 
I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.